Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to the PeteCallanerShow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. Dale Falwell announced he is going to run for governor in 2024. Uh, I want to welcome back to the program Andrew Dunn. Uh, he writes at Longleaf Politics. That's his Substack newsletter and uh, used to work for Lieutenant Governor Dan Forrest. Uh, welcome back to the show, Andrew. How are you? I'm great, Pete. Thanks for having me back on. Absolutely. So you had a very lengthy piece today, Dale Falwell's Narrow Path to Victory. Um, and you started off by saying, depending on your point of view, the news came across as either quixotic or heroic. <laughs> and so I think that is accurate. So um, what do you think it is? Oh, boy. Uh, it's hard to say. So, you know, right now, you know, looking at the state of the Republican uh, gubernatorial primary, it's hard to see uh, Dale Fowell having much of a shot Uh the polling that's been done so far shows Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson in just an absolutely dominant position. Um, they actually, uh, the differentiators uh, consulting group did a poll actually doing Mark Robinson, Dale Falwell head to head, had Robinson at around 60% and Falwell at about 6%. So there's, there's clearly a case to be made that this is a uh, quixotic campaign for governor uh, against those long odds. But then on the other hand, there is a sizable percentage or sizable portion of the Republican Party who are, have deep concerns about Mark Robinson's ability to win a general election. And so Dale Falwell is a, a natural candidate to turn to as somebody who does have good inroads with the Republican base. He has you know, a very conservative reputation, but at the same time also has the ability to carve out a more uh, electable persona in a general election for governor. But probably not going to happen <laughs> i mean in a gop primary unless now you go through and you list a whole bunch of things that that he could do that could get him close to the finish line or even over the finish line um you say he has to quickly create an organization uh fine-tune messaging um got to get national donors has to get some endorsements uh has to really target unaffiliated and then uh the very last one you said uh, he has to pray that nobody else enters the race, which <laughs> that's not I don't think that's going to be something in his control. Right. That's out of his control. But who that person might be, could that work to his benefit or could it could it knock him completely out? I mean, in theory, it could work to his advantage. I mean, basically what you have to look at is who is this third entrant in the race? Who Who is that going to split votes with? And I don't see anybody that's currently considering running for governor or could conceivably run for governor who's going to split votes with Mark Robinson. The only people that I see potentially entering the race are somebody like former Representative Mark Walker, and I see him splitting votes with Dale Falwell way before I see him splitting votes with Mark Robinson. Yeah. You mentioned uh, the differentiators. That's Jim Blaine and Ray Martin. Uh, they're part of the Burger Shop, right? Uh, Phil Burger Shop. And so um, you also mentioned the Club for Growth in this piece the, uh, to land major national donors. Uh, maybe the Club for Growth gets involved. But, uh, and that, I, I assume that would be sort of connected to uh, Blaine and Martin. No. And, and is there any 
I don't know, is there any uh, evidence that they show an interest in gubernatorial races at this level? No, there's really not. Um, it, it's the longest of shots. I'm not going to say it's not going to happen. I mean, Club for Growth has done a little bit in, in governor's races, especially with uh, Governor Ron DeSantis uh, back last year for governor of Florida. But clearly that was uh, more or less a way to uh, get on the boat early ahead of a presidential run for him. I, I don't see Club for Growth as being a really uh, a viable option. I, they're not going to get involved in this primary. You know, that said, if I'm Dale Falwell, I'm calling anybody uh, who has deep pockets uh, that I can that I can think of to see if they can give him a little boost of money early to get him on TV early, try to define his candidacy early and, and really uh, chip away at the sense of Mark Robinson's inevitability here. Um, and so uh, were you surprised at the way and where he announced this gubernatorial run? No, I'm not at all. And, it, you know, Winston-Salem, the Forsyth County area, that's home for, for Dale Falwell. So it makes sense for him to do it there. And uh, it, I didn't I, – knowing Dale, I, I don't know him super well personally, but having seen him about on the political scene for a long time, he's much more of an understated guy. I wouldn't uh, envision him launching a, a big rally to announce his candidacy. So this sounds about right. Yeah, he's like he was at a like a county meeting or something, and he was like, "Yeah, I'm going to run for governor." And then told everybody uh, did did some media hits, I guess, uh, afterwards. But um, we we are expecting Robinson right to make an announcement uh, within the coming weeks that he is running for governor too. Yep, he's got a big rally planned in Alamance County next month, and he, he hasn't come out and said he's going to announce his campaign then, but he, he all but has, so mm -hmm. it, it's certainly to come then. What is your sense as to who uh, the Democrats would prefer to run against, assuming, I mean, Josh Stein has already made his announcement. Um, somebody was telling me they think Vi Lyles, uh, the Charlotte mayor, uh, could could. Uh, have a real good shot at uh, running for governor if she show if she so chose. Um, but uh, but then again, if you get more candidates in that Democrat primary, you end up splitting the field too. So who knows what happens there? But Josh Stein already announced, and he, it seems clear like he's he's going right at Mark Robinson right already in the initial video. Uh, he showed images of Robinson and was quoting him, and so I suspect, and maybe you agree or don't, I don't know, uh, that it seems like that's who they want to run against. Oh, certainly. I mean, he, Robinson is definitely somebody the Democrats want to run against. Now, that said, it could come back to bite them. But, you know, they perceive Robinson, you know, especially with his the speeches he's given around the state, basically his stances and, and the public statements he's made on things like LGBT issues on abortion. You know, they see him as uh, having a tough time getting those moderate suburban candidates uh, voters, rather, um, they would much rather run against Robinson than somebody like Falwell, uh, who has a much easier time running as kind of the generic Republican that tends to do super well in these statewide races. You say one of the biggest hurdles Falwell is going to have to overcome is the sense of inevitability. You mentioned it earlier uh, in the conversation as well. So from a political standpoint, what does this idea of inevitability this sense uh what does that convey in a political campaign well if if one candidate is inevitable you know if they're almost certainly going to win it just it makes it so much more difficult for anybody else to get any oxygen i mean how are you going to raise money from from donors if they are certain that somebody else is going to win 
um, how are you going to you know get space in the media some of those those earned media hits if everybody thinks you have no shot um, how are you going to pick up endorsements how are you going to find people to speak for you uh, on the stump around the state if somebody else is almost certainly going to win so Dale Falwell is going to need some sort of breakthrough um, to kind of give evidence to people that he really does have a shot that this is a real thing and then then the momentum starts to build from that but Getting that first piece is the big challenge. So, and the reaction that I have seen so far is generally questioning: Why would Dale do this? Why just you know? Why not just stay treasurer? We like him as treasurer. Uh, he, he could probably win that race again. Just keep doing what he's doing. He's doing a good job at that. Why would he? Why would he look to jump in against Robinson? Yeah, it's an it's an interesting question, and I don't see any reason why he wouldn't easily win another uh, race for treasurer. You know, that said, you know, he's had a public life before being state treasurer. He served in the state house for a number of years. He actually ran for lieutenant governor back in 2012. So he clearly has interests in serving the people of North Carolina beyond just in the treasurer role. Um, and, and also, he's not getting any younger. I believe he's 64 years old yeah 64 Um, 65 yeah and so you know he's probably hearing some you know people around the state saying you know we need a more electable general election candidate um and you know this is his this is his one shot to run for governor um so I, I guess he just, he's deciding he's going to take it. Well, and that's and you mentioned this also a bit in the piece that you know he does have he does have roots in the grassroots. I mean he is he is popular among the base, and so it's going to be difficult to kind of cast him as some sort of you know establishment quote unquote type of a candidate. Particularly, he was the one that kind of went toe to toe with the the healthcare industry. And meanwhile, we see what's happened in the legislature with the Medicaid expansion, which the governor announced today. He's got a bill signing at four o'clock and a spike the football at four o'clock. And so I don't, yeah, maybe he, maybe he checks the box for quote establishment folks, but he isn't really that kind of a candidate or, or he hasn't been that kind of an elected official in my opinion. No, definitely not. And that's kind of the tricky position he's in, because in this particular race, he's going to have to take the more establishment route. And that really doesn't come natural from him. You know, in any other year, Dale Falwell would kind of be the grassroots hero, the guy who doesn't have the establishment backing, who doesn't have the establishment money, but he has all the, you know, conservative enthusiasm. But it's just a weird situation in where that lane's already been filled by Mark Robinson. Yeah. Dale Falwell's Narrow Path to Victory by Andrew Dunn. It's at his uh, newsletter at Substack, longleafpolitics.com. Andrew, always good to talk with you, sir. Thanks so much for your time. I appreciate it. So some of the uh, yeah, some of the responses that I have seen from people on the Twitter machine uh, after uh, Falwell announced this weekend and then the media coverage kicked in uh, that he was going to run for governor, uh, kind of along these lines, like... Uh, this one is from Day Four Day, yay! It says, but why? Mark Robinson is going to be running for governor, and he's easily the Republican nominee. Um, Thirsty says, I am holding out for NC Auditor Beth Wood to run. I hear she's even planning on picking people up and driving them to the polls on election on election day. What an awesome public servant she is! That's yeah, that sounds right. Um, I do have an update on that. 
Um, and then Matthew Ridenour, former county commissioner, said he's such a great treasurer. I'm not sure why he's on this fool's errand. There is zero percent chance the nominee is anyone better than Robinson, barring some improbable, unforeseen circumstance. Well, this does actually raise the question: Is he a better nominee than Robinson? Is he? I like Mark Robinson, and I like Dale Falwell. I'm not going to tear either of them down in order to uh, make one of them in a you know a better to seem better by comparison. Um, they they have different strengths. And Robinson, and you heard um, Andrew Dunn mention it. Robinson is polling ahead, so like a lot, <laughs> very very far ahead. So uh, yeah, he is the he's the the hands down favorite. And, uh, you know, there is the sense of inevitability. But is he the best candidate for a general election? You you know the stuff that he's been saying at the churches, right? Of course. I mean, I, I've played some of the audio. Um, and some of it, some of it I have no problem with. And some of it is I expect to hear that stuff in a uh, in Baptist church settings. But, you know, on the other hand, I'm not a fool. I recognize how that's going to be weaponized. I recognize that all of that stuff that he's been saying in churches, anti-LGBTQ plus IA, whatever stuff, uh, it's not go- people are not going to feel good about voting for him. Uh, you know, people in the exurbs, the, uh, in, I mean, I don't even know, this mushy middle, as Rush used to call them, right? So uh, unless uh, Dale does something to try to woo over a whole bunch of unaffiliateds to make them go vote in the Republican primary, and we're assuming, of course, that there isn't going to be some level of Operation Chaos uh, being deployed by the left in the Republican primaries, right? They, that could happen as well. You get left-leaning voters that go in and they want to vote for Mark Robinson, thinking he's the easier-to-beat candidate for a Democrat in the general. I don't know if that is true or not, but uh, I mean the thing that the thing that a lot of people like about Mark Robinson is that he is not a politician, and he says these uncomfortable truths to people. Right? He gets right up in and fights, and you know, right up in your grill and all of that. Um, Dale doesn't confront quite like that. That's not Dale's persona, um, whereas Mark's is. But does that play well on a debate stage against, say, Josh Stein? He, I mean, I could see a circumstance, a scenario where uh, Mark Robinson mops the floor with him. I can also see a scenario where, where he doesn't. The opposite happens. I don't know. I don't make predictions on elections. But I am curious. I think the... Yeah, I, I mean, if, because if you're a Republican... You can see that Robinson has the inside track, I imagine. And so, who you who do you want to who who do you want to throw up there in a primary to to be beaten? Well, here's another question: Why put anybody up at all? Why why not just everybody stay pat and wait for and wait for this election cycle? And then this way, uh, you know, if Falwell wins, uh, if he were to stay treasurer. Uh, you know, hold those seats, the incumbents hold the seats, they would maintain a majority on the Council of State. And if Robinson is able to actually win the governor's race, then you you pick up one. I got to believe Beth Wood is probably not going to be around after this next election cycle. But Dale Falwell is like 65 years old. And so I guess the calculation here is that if you if he doesn't run now, he has to wait 
through 24. Okay, so then Democrat wins, let's say, beats Mark Robinson. That means Falwell would try to run against that Democrat incumbent, right? And that's a harder lift, heavier lift for him. Or Robinson wins, and then he has to wait another four years, which would be eight years, which would put him into his 70s. So maybe he's like, hey, you know, it's it's now or never. Uh, let me go over here and get Mark on. Hello, Mark. Welcome to the show. Hey, how are you today? Hey, I'm doing all right. What's up? Yeah, I was just calling. I, I just ate lunch and flipped on the radio in the car, and I was heard you talking about the Republican race for governor and why would uh, the state treasurer run. And I said, all you have to do is think back to the 2022 state U.S. Senate race. Everybody thought Pat McCrory was a shoe-ed, and Ted Budd is now the U.S. Senator. So mm-hmm. you never know what's going to happen. Oh yeah, no, that's that's true. Although I would I would note that not everyone thought McCrory was the shoe in because McCrory had hind. I, I remember talking with um, Jim Blaine about this at the time. Pat McCrory had high name ID, um, and his approval numbers were basically already locked in. Yeah, and so there wasn't a lot of room for him to grow. Whereas Ted Budd, nobody really knew him, and so uh, he had a lot more room to to boost his approval numbers versus Pat. That and he had Donald Trump's endorsement. <laughs> well, that too, yes. Yeah, the early endorsement by Trump and the Club for Growth money. Pat McCrory still talks about to this day. So, yeah, it, I mean, all of those things do factor in, absolutely. You just never know, but yep. uh, that, that's the reason they call it an election. That's true. Appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Okay, thank you. All right, thanks, Mark. Uh, yeah, though, it, I just, I, I'm curious about the, uh, the, the strategy. Like, I, I like, I like walking through the strategy behind the decisions. And thinking through the game theory, like, is this because there isn't anybody else they want to throw up there? Because, I mean, one thing they could have done, like, quote, the establishment or whatever, people who don't want Mark Robinson to be the nominee, but know that his poll numbers are so good, well, just write it off. Just don't put anybody up. Let him keep his powder dry, let him keep all of his money, let him keep fundraising, and then you go after the the governor's race with everything you got, and, and, and that's it. You basically, you know, you pull a Sherry Beasley, right? And the Democrat, what the Democrats did, clear the field (laughs) beforehand. Yeah, I don't know. All right. Are you prepared for a disaster? Do you need some advice? Are you looking for a military surplus that's real? Well, for more than three decades, the answer has been Old Grouch's Military Surplus in downtown Clyde. It is an old school, traditional store. It's got a mix of modern and vintage items. See my friend Tim? He'll hook you up. He gets new stuff in all the time, American-made, because it's real military surplus. Camo, shirts, hats, customized dog tags, gear, Old Grouches on Main Street, downtown Clyde, across the street from the anti-aircraft gun. The shop is open Monday through Saturday and all the time at oldgrouch.com. I've got a tweet here from Justin. It's a Pete tweet who says, Mark Robinson could be more electable to a moderate with support from Falwell, who's perceived as more level-headed, non-confrontational individual. Seems to me that Falwell has to call out Robinson's flaws to win, and or Robinson has to go scorched earth to beat Falwell. Yeah, I don't know. I think uh, I'm not sure if I'm not sure if that's Falwell's style is to go is to go at Robinson like that. I think he, I mean, in his announcement, he's just like touting his accomplishments. Um, he's got a uh, a campaign slogan, you know, the, he's, that he's you know the best treasurer money can't buy, and he would be the best governor. Money can't buy. Um, 
I mean, he did go up against the um, uh, the hospitals, right? Up against the uh, the medical industry over the uh, the administration of the state's health plan, and uh, got bloodied from that. But changed it from Blue Cross Blue Shield um, because they wouldn't give him pr- uh, price transparency. And uh, and that was something I thought that conservatives wanted. That's an actual win, and that was an actual fight. He's been uh, going after BlackRock on the ESG stuff as the you know manager of the pension fund. Uh, I am curious what Mark Robinson's uh, view on the Medicaid expansion is. I'm I'm curious about that. Um, I haven't seen him weigh in on that. And today uh, at four o'clock, Governor Roy Cooper. My good friend Ray, uh, he's going to be doing a bill signing ceremony at the governor's mansion. It is going to be a celebration. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's got a they put out a a picture. Uh, They got like the big announcement, four o'clock, be there, be square. You know, Uh, it's just been this constant drumbeat over the last like two weeks of just you know, I never thought this day would come. Among all of the activists and Democrats and media, but I repeat myself, on on the left, they're just they're just over the moon here, and just over the top, happy, celebratory. I have not seen I have not seen a lot of use of racial gifs. I will just I'm just going to put that out there. Haven't seen, um, but I'm not so sure that the Republican legislators that did this because today was made possible like all of the celebration that the left is enjoying despite not having any real control over uh, the functions of government uh, at the legislative or the judicial levels uh, all of this was made possible by the republicans <laughs> by the legislators uh, legislators right they did this they made it, they, they made this party today possible they made it happen and so if you got Robinson that's going to get up there and he's, I guess, what is he going to say that, well, you know, it's already been done. It is what it is. Did he, but does he support it or not? Does Falwell support it or not? Would that be an issue in the primary? I don't know. Um, he says uh, his biggest frustration, he told the Daily Haymaker, uh, Brant Clifton over there, dailyhaymaker.com. Uh, he says, uh, the biggest frustration uh, as treasurer, uh, his inability to break the hold of the health care cartel. They've been giving the middle finger to the last two presidents and their executive orders on health care costs. Um, he is going to be launching, uh, the, by the way, his website is up, dalefallwell.com. He has a second website called daleyeah.tv. Like, Dale, yeah. <laughs> okay. So that's his slogan, I guess. We'll see. Um, I don't know. Wait, I, it'll be a hoedown. Is this, Ralph, you better keep this clean. Ralph, you better keep it clean. Hello, Ralph. I know it. I know it. Pete, All right. But, you know, it, in the festive term, it's got to be a hoedown, like, a, you know, a country, country-type atmosphere and everything. But that's, that's what Mr. Cooper wants. I mm-hmm. mean, he it's, it's up and beyond a celebration. I got you. So this is like a celebration uh, extra, like... like uh, times 10. Times, times 10. 10. Right. Well, do not attempt to do not attempt to send that out in any kind of a meme or a gif, because um, that might get you in trouble. Thank you, Ralph. I appreciate it. Yeah, no, it is. It, he's Ralph is exactly right. Uh, 
um, this is a big time party. And uh, we really need to thank uh, the Republican lawmakers for uh, for allowing it to happen. <laughs> uh, oh, and by the way, you know who's not thanking the Republicans for letting it happen? The, the left, All right? The Democrats and the media. But I repeat myself: they're they're not like celebrating the Republicans for this. You know that, right? No, they're they're celebrating it as if it just happened, like like this thing just occurred. You know. Oh, we've been we spent 13 years fighting for this. So proud. Never thought this day would happen. Like they believe that they have convinced the Republicans that it was them that somehow or another uh flipped these Republicans to their way of thinking. And the Republicans are not in a position to disabuse them of that idea. How could you? You you obviously did flip your thinking unless you didn't believe it initially. So I'm not sure how to, I'm not sure how you would address it, which is why I don't really see them addressing it at all. They don't really attempt to, you know, set the record straight or anything, or say no, 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 this was us, we did it, not you. No, they're, the left is claiming credit for this. They will continue to do so. Um, why? Why in the world would Falwell do this and force a primary where there will be attacks that can then be used against Republicans in the general, no matter who the nominee is. This wouldn't happen on the left. They would unify and put the resources to beating the opposition. Fault the left for a lot of things, but they stay unified against the right. Repubs love to infight too much. Yeah. Uh, no, it's a fair, I think that's a fair question. Um, let me see here. Dan. Yo, Dan, what's going on? Hello, Dan. Oh, Dan. Hey. Oh, yeah. Hey, what's up? Well, um, I just want to say that I think people are going to lose if they're the most popular Republican candidate. I think (laughs) January 6th is all about forcing Trump to run, and he's going to lose. Whereas any other Republican like DeSantis would win. So I really think that we need to be careful. So, uh, in this analogy, Mark Robinson is the North Carolina Donald Trump. Well, yeah, but um, I just think your North Carolina example accentuates the the bigger problem mm-hmm. nationally. Which is? Yeah, so that's just what i think and that 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 republicans that republicans uh are unelectable unless they are moderate no i don't think that i just think that certain ones are unelectable right and i think that we need to watch out right so conservatism wins but but the things that don't win are things that make us very unpopular like personality and stuff like so you and that's why i asked you if robinson is the north carolina trump and so it sounds like you are saying that so what is it about robinson that is about that really i like robinson a lot Mm -hmm. and i think trump has alienated a lot of people through his personality Mm -hmm. right but you but and so i'm talking about robinson though do you think he has alienated a lot of people well, I think some of his positions that I completely agree with have made him unpopular with moderates, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, yeah, and look, I think that there's uh, there are a lot of people. I think there are a lot of people on the right who are a little uncomfortable with uh, with the with a preacher as an elected official, um, a Baptist preacher kind of a, a character. You know that that the delivery uh, and I don't know just that the the way they the, the way they publicly speak and and the views i think there there are people on the right uh they're not like you know obviously uh you know hardcore right wing conservatives but i think there are people on that right side that uh that are uncomfortable with that kind of a character i appreciate the call uh dan um no i i yeah i think i think that um robinson has a much easier shot going through the primary but uh to dan's point harder in the general a couple of uh, uh more messages here from uh from folks on the Mark Robinson and uh, Dale Falwell. Uh, Robinson's expected to announce his candidacy for governor. I think it's like April 22nd or something. He's booked uh, a speedway in Alamance County, I believe, uh, to do the announcement. It may be the one that was closed due to the governor's COVID. Remember the one that tried to fight him on the COVID uh, shutdowns? So Robinson may be going there. Um, But uh, Dale Falwell, the state treasurer, he announced over the weekend that he's running for governor. And um, here's a tweet from Justin who says, Bill Maher said it best over the weekend. Why would you choose the tribute band if the actual band is still playing? The tribute band being DeSantis over and the, the original, the actual band is Trump. Or in this case, it would be Falwell is the tribute band and Robinson is the actual band. I don't, And I don't know if that's, if that's a, if that's a, and such a neat and clean uh, analogy. I'm not sure. Um, another message uh, I got uh, from an anonymous person, we shall say, that uh, Dale's biggest uh, point uh, will be probably that Robinson doesn't do his job. He's never in Raleigh. He doesn't participate in the committees that he's on. Mostly Robinson doesn't do his job as lieutenant governor, that he's just a talker. Uh, Dale doesn't really know or have a plan as to how he'll overcome Robinson and doesn't know exactly how he's going to go after him, but that might be it. Okay. So that, right, that that's, that's one potential path. I don't know. Will that work? I don't know. Um, yeah. I, yeah. It, 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 it there's going to be a lot more focus on this race than there was on the Lieutenant governor's race, you know, that Robinson won. So, um, and he may end up being able to get a whole bunch of support and money from from outside the state. That's possible. Um, he's going around, uh, Robinson is, he's going around the country, he's doing speeches and stuff, and uh, he's getting big crowds. So that's, I mean, all of that stuff might you know, might play a role. That, that stuff matters. I am curious what happens uh, with the uh, auditor, Beth Wood, after her guilty plea for the totally not drunk driving, but fleeing the scene of the accident because she was totally not drunk driving, right? Did you see that? Oh, yeah. I said uh, the first hour we talked about a candidate, you know, for the prize for biggest dumbass of the year. CNN's John Blake talking about uh, how how memes and gifs are digital blackface. Uh, but then there was this. This is also a strong contender. I don't want to rule out uh, the local favorite here. Uh, W-R-A-L's Colin Broder. Or Browder? Um, right, because Beth Wood pleaded guilty uh, to the fleeing the scene of the accident where she 
you know, uh, went to the Christmas party first. Uh, she claimed she had two glasses of wine. We don't know how big those glasses were, but two glasses of wine. And then um, she pulls out of the parking lot and misjudges, quote-unquote, where the turn is onto the next road and um, drives up and over a vehicle suspending her car on top of that other vehicle she gets out leaves the engine running and is whisked inside the law office from whence she came that was the law office of rufus uh, edmiston the former lieutenant governor i believe of the state um and uh you know democrat lawyer big time politician guy in raleigh uh that was they were at the, she was at his christmas party his office christmas party and they bring her back in they're like get her out of here get her out of here and so they whisk her away and thanks to an uber driver who happened to catch it on video we saw that happen and she then pleads guilty to leaving the scene of an accident which is obviously a much better option than getting busted for DUI, but she said she only had two glasses of wine, and WRAL totally believes her. They did a story over the weekend. Research shows two glasses of wine unlikely to have put Auditor over the legal limit. So first off, you're building off of this assumption that what she said is true, that she didn't lie. And so you then go into investigative mode and wonder if the science backs up her claim. And Anthony Fauci said, I don't know who Beth Wood is. Many factors, body, size, gender, time. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Gender? I am so triggered right now. I'm literally shaking. Uh, men and women process alcohol differently. Even individual metabolism can impact BAC. Uh Beth Wood said in court she had two glasses of wine, and it does not appear that investigators questioned a bartender or anybody else at the party she was attending. But she says she was not impaired. I mean, when driving. But she made a bad decision afterwards. An error in judgment, which alcohol, I am told, does not lead to uh, errors in judgment either. Uh, studies and charts show that if Wood only had two drinks, she would likely have been below the state's blood alcohol concentration limit, which is .08. According to the charts, a woman who weighs over 110 pounds, I don't know how they know what she weighs. I don't, you know, I guess they know her age or whatever, but a woman who weighs over 110 could drink two glasses of wine in a single hour and still only have a BAC of 0.074, well below the 0.08 limit. I mean, so there really isn't even, it's not even close here. Right? I mean, it's merely .006. That's it. That's what I mean. That is a that is a that's a chasm, a chasm of sobriety between being under the influence and uh, running up over a vehicle, leaving the car engine running, and then fleeing the scene for fear uh, that you're going to get arrested. Right? For nothing because you're .006 so far away from being intoxicated. That's some bang up work there. W R A L. Give it up. Praetorian Guard for the Democrat establishment. Some good stuff going on there at WRAL.